What's up, guys? It's Matt. On this week's edition of the TKW Podcast, I chat first with Kyle Maggio about David Fisdale's introduction press conference. We just kind of talk about what went down, how we feel about the hiring in general, how we feel about the comments that Perry and Mills made, and just give our thoughts. And then we're joined by Amy Stigemeyer of All Heart and Hoop City to talk about David Fisdale's tenure in Memphis and how the Grizzlies fan base feels in general about him and what we should expect when we're talking about the Knicks, what we should expect from Fisdale in this setting. So without further ado, let's go. Hello, folks, and welcome to the TKW Podcast. I'm Matt Spendley, and I'm joined today by Kyle Maggio. What's going on? Oh, boy. Dogs are up and at them early, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Uh, not too bad. Trying to watch these uh, Yankees get their victory against the Red Sox today. Hopefully we start this series off with a bang. We were talking about, well, they did with Stanton because we were talking about his home run before. The man is a monster. And it's just a matter of time before he starts to heat up. Just a yeah. matter of time. I mean, I'm hoping it was just a weather thing. You know, hopefully, yeah. uh, normally he starts off in Miami. It's nice. It's seventies down there in the winter time. It must be nice. And then, uh, you know, after that, everything's been heating up down here. So hopefully, that brings a change of play with it. I'm hoping anyway. He started off pretty terribly slow, but it is what it is. You know who's gonna have a bad May? Don't do it, DD Gregorius. No. <laughs> You're just gonna you're gonna wait till like September for the one slump, and then you're gonna be like, aha! I'm gonna say it every month, and if it never happens, then I'll never be right. But it's gonna happen at some point, so I have to be right eventually. That's how you got to play these things, man. That's how you got to do it. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about David Fisdale because the Knicks officially introduced him today as the 29th head coach in franchise history. So they brought him and Perry and Mills out to field some questions from reporters, just kind of talk about what they expect from him and what went into the hiring process. So what were your first impressions on, on watching the press conference? What do you think of it? I'm sort of torn because I feel like depending on who the new head coaching hire is, you either go, well, he's full of shit. This is a normal press conference like always. Or you go, he said a lot of things that I was hoping he'd say, um, you know, I'm sort of torn on it because you know, for example, what he brings to the table already. Like those things don't need to be said at a press conference, but also you know that there are PR people that exist. Um, He's a smart, self-aware man, I think, and probably knew the things we wanted to hear, which was a couple of little things that I liked. Obviously, you like hearing stuff about, oh, we want to have a top-ranked defense. Those are things you kind of hear a lot. I think the thing you and I and kind of everybody else – was looking to hear uh, how to do with KP. And I think the biggest thing from that was where they asked, if he, if he, is he going to play the four or the five? Mm-hmm. The, the evergreen question when it comes to KP, who uh, everybody seems to think that it'd be better for him at the five. He seems to be more comfortable at the four, and we always wrestle with this. And he just kept kind of, I wouldn't say ducking it, but sort of speaking it in terms of, position list a little bit and sort of, well, I don't want to put a label on things. Right. I think we can use them anywhere. And, uh, you know, it, it presents a lot of options. I'm really open-minded. So if there was something that I was trying to sift through the normal press conference bullshit of, I think that was it. You know, I, I wasn't looking to hear him say, you know, Oh, I'll have to talk to Chris Stapps and see what he thinks just right from the get go. He's just like, well, no, you know, basically in more or less words, like he's a big guy. You could play him a couple different ways. And, I think that could benefit us. And that's, I think, the big thing all of us were looking to, you know, hear from him today uh, in the midst of all the other normal press conference jargon. And that's the biggest thing in terms of a character trait for Fisdale that people point to is that it's kind of almost what got him in trouble with the Gasol thing. He's very boisterous, kind of sticks to his guns. 
And he, he had a thing with Zebo where he ended up benching him. And it was something like he basically said to the media, like, he's not good enough to start anymore. And you know that's something that he didn't exactly say to him specifically. But it's the mindset that he has. And I think he's a very blunt dude, which I think will be good for a younger team. And it will be good for someone like KP, I think, especially if they kind of hit it off initially, which was an incredibly encouraging sign from this press conference, too was him saying that he's going to go to Latvia. When they asked him when he was going, he said the plane's already warming up. So it's clearly a priority for him and the team moving forward to make sure that they improve this relationship with Chris Stapps, which is obviously just can't harp on how important that is. And I'm glad that they realized that. Well, you know what was interesting, too? I listened to the Woj pod with uh, our pal Ian Begley on it, and they were speaking kind of, I think you listened to the same podcast, and they sort of, we're talking about that same thing with uh, David Fisdale, his demeanor. And is that going to be a problem with Chris Stapps the same way that it was a problem with Marc Gasol? And then Begley kind of scoffed at, of course, the way we most intelligent, sensible people scoffed at the whole uh, European issue with Fisdale because it is a silly non-issue. But, Absolutely, yeah. Um, they basically said, well, is KP going to enjoy someone challenging him in such a way? And you know, Ian kind of like laughed it off a little bit, but just like, well, yeah, I mean, he wants to be taken seriously. He wants his franchise to be taken seriously. And that's why he had issues with them uh, and skipped the exit interview, you know, two seasons ago. It was because he felt like it wasn't being taken as serious as it needed to be. The priorities weren't in order, but not. So having someone who comes in actually is about the same thing he's about and is challenging him in the same direction, he's not going to be opposed to. That's something that he encourages and something that he wants. So, I mean, that is sort of something that we assume being from the outside. But when you hear from like a guy like Ian, who's a little bit closer to things in the situation, that's a little bit more encouraging to me, too. For sure. So I, I don't know. I, I just like it. I, I like it. And I said this on Twitter before, you know, um, the Knicks change coaches like we all change underwear they've had 11 coaches in 17 years we cycle through coaches here we chew them up and spit them out and that's another guy in a year and a half if that and this is probably the first time since maybe dan tony where i felt like this is the kind of guy you bring in to like establish things and change things and i think the issue back then was dolan had him and walsh there to kind of change things and then got impatient and pulled the trigger on the Carmelo trade. And I think it appears, and I, and I told the line here, it appears as though uh, maybe he's learned. I'm not saying it's a definitive thing, but he's been open about like, nope, I'll just stay back and mind my own business. And Perry and co, you know, they seem to be saying the same thing, that he just, he understands what needs to be done. They kept, you know, they really beat the line today at the press conference of uh, they're not skipping steps. They said it multiple times, like three or and, four times. Yeah, and that and that's what made me think back to the Dan Tony Walsh thing because Walsh came in to do the same thing. Perry's though, you know, right. strip down the roster, clean out the shit from the previous regime, start from scratch, get those assets, those picks back, and then Dolan kind of jumped the gun to get Miller. And I feel like absolutely that that and the other Fizdale comic from before were the main takeaways I had because it seems like there's actually been growth with how they went about this process. So those, I, I try to skip through the other, like, oh, it's New York, it's the Mecca basketball, that other bullshit that we yeah. hear every year. But um, those two things I really did enjoy a lot. Yeah, when you're cutting through the things that you mentioned, it's the New York, it's the we want to play defense, we want to run, we want to bang in the paint. These are things every coach is going to say in a press conference like this. I was looking to see if Perry and Mills were saying the same things they did when they had their exit press conference, which is exactly what they did. And we had mentioned before on this program that it also lined up with the type of coach that Fisdale is. And that's why the hire made a lot of sense. And it seems like there's a level of continuity there, which maybe we haven't experienced in years. And I'll just pose this question. Do you think we're being at all naive about this? Because Fisdale's a likable guy. And I think that some part of us might associate him being really likable with being a head good head coach which we aren't sure he is yet but do you think there's a chance we're just being naive and this is just going to all go down in flames in a couple years 
It's of course possible. I put the odds at 50-50, and that's pretty good for the Knicks, all things considered. Which I, is I sad. 50-50, that's pretty high. Well, because this, I feel this much is the way worse I look now. at it. <laughs> this is the way I look at it, is because everything that's happened so far with Perry is, you know, at the beginning when they hired him, and, you know, a lot of people kind of lauded the Knicks for that hire, all of us were just like, well, okay, but let's make sure that he actually does the smart things he's capable of doing, and they let him do those things. And then a couple little moves, a couple little hires here and there, and we're like, oh, okay, this seems perfectly reasonable. This is good. And we're all very cautiously optimistic about it. So it's always we're just playing it by the actions, I guess, the next step. So I, I don't know. I just feel like it could – of course it could go down in flames. Like, of course Dolan could just – hop back in he's finally had enough just like the walsh situation but i i don't know this just seems i will say i will say that it seems like perry and mills are communicating to the fan base that they know that dolan has meddled in the past and he doesn't want to do that anymore and i don't think that's been a thing in the past i might be wrong but they're making a point of it to say he's not going to do anything and if he does, then something radical has gone wrong. Because in the past, we always knew that was going to be a factor that was in play. And I think every GM and coach knew that was a thing. But it seems like they are they don't want to have that define this front office anymore. Well, I think that's the, uh, the key point here. And the other thing, too, about that was that he seemed to operate in the shadows a little bit. Like, you know, he wasn't having all these press conferences and, and public speaking to, to kind of be candid and open about the state of the Knicks as much, you know, it was a little bit more close to the best I felt back then. Whereas here, it's like, whenever you talk to him, he's just like, look, I trust Scott, you know, I trust Scott Perry. I trust Steve Mills. I think they're doing a great job there. You know, he seems more like, I, I don't, I don't want to come across as though I'm trusting him. I just want to come across as though, like, it's a different approach to the way that things used to be. Run. It's important to acknowledge when someone, makes a difference and sees where they're wrong and want to make a change. It's a matter of following through with it. Exactly. That That's the, the phase that I'm at now. They've said all the right things. They've started to do some of the right things. And none of this is going to matter unless the results are there. Like, all we could say all the words. They can say everything that we want to hear. And they can make some good hires in that direction, too. But all that's going to ma- uh, matter in the end is, are the results there? Are they following through with maximizing KP? Is that you know, helping the team to be more successful. Are we actually seeing wins on the court? Are players being developed outside of KP? It's always little things. And and once I think we start to see a couple of those things fall into place, it doesn't have to be all at once or, you know, I, I, I don't know. If we just see a couple of them, I think we can really start to buy it. Because I'm just, I feel like I'm not on the fence, but like standing in front of it. Yeah. They've done the first step well. They've said the right things. They've endeared themselves to the fan base a bit more, which some people close it off and are totally cynical. And I just don't think that's the right mindset to have. I think it's, it's important to always give someone a chance. It's not, but it's it's justified. Like it's justified. It's, sure, it's, it's not at all. It's not at all. But I get it. Like I, I understand the, the cynicism more than I understand people being optimistic. Yeah, I can agree with that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the people who are cynical are just like, no, yeah. 17 years in a row, Dolan somehow got involved or botched it. And I could be like, you're not wrong, 100%. And I would just leave it there. It's not worth arguing because they're right. But the people are just like, this is a different regime. This is it. This is the change. It's just like, well, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit, guys. Let's make sure that they are. I'll believe it when I see it, not a second before. So let's just ease up. Did you catch his comment to Moutier? That was uh, pretty funny. Okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he goes, we're going to get you right. <laughs> like, you basically suck now, so we're going to try to make you just a little better. All right, my question to you, do you think he – and when I say, do you think he can get him right, I don't mean do you think he can get him to be the top five talent he was slated to be in the draft. I simply mm-hmm. mean, do you think you, you know he's going to get him to be a, a passable NBA player, one who's capable of starting and not being a net negative? It's possible. If he enacts some of the shot profile changes that we hope to see from him and that he displayed in Memphis and that he has talked about, I think it's certainly possible. But Moutier's whole skill set is just not one that contributes to winning. And I don't know if you can change the very fiber of his being as a basketball player to turn him into that. And I think it's the same kind of thing. I'm also a noted Trey Burke pessimist. 
I don't know if you bring in a coach like Fisdale and you're like, oh yeah, Trey Burke and Moutier and Frank are all going to really improve under him. I think they could. I don't think we have any reason to think that they're going to see big improvements. But to have a head coach in there that's younger, that's going to be tough on them, in terms of just the, the mental side of it and the physicality, I think we'll see that come to fruition a bit. But, I mean, I'm not overly optimistic that any of them have these breakout campaigns. I don't see that happening. If any, if anybody is going to, I guess, improve vastly under Fisdale, and I'm going to say he's going to get two years at the very minimum of his deal here because I don't think under any circumstances anybody's expecting him to do anything Yes. Uh, with the team big picture next year. Just simply, you know, instill the right system and, and develop some guys. That, that's it. He, he would have to come out and say, like, Chris Porzingis is a glorified, like, Jonas Jarebko. And I think that's the only yeah. way they'd fire him. Like, that, that's yeah. about it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Frank would probably be the only one that I'd look or count on having some sort of improvement because he's 19. He's got the athleticism's already there. He's got the frame, the wingspan. I just feel like, you know, he's 19 years old. You give that kid a, a full training camp under a coach who wants to help him finish, who wants to help him get the ball up and down the court, who wants to play a little smaller. The emphasis is on jump shooting a little bit more, which, as I think you know always, is uh, could be a strength of Frank's just yep. off of his shooting form. Not so much his numbers, which improved over the course of the year, but his, his form is what you want it to be for a three-point shooter. So, I don't know. I mean, I'd count on him more than I'd count on Burke because, for example, if we're being cynical with Burke, how much of um, Burke's improvement there or his improved play was um, – due to him just coming in and trying to show um, not just the Knicks, but all NBA teams like, oh, look, I can pass a little bit now. I'm a little bit more patient. I'm a little bit calm. You know, next season with a greener light, does he revert a little bit back to some old habits? Those are something that I'm looking out for with him. And Moutier, he's he's young, but uh, it's just been – I mean, his whole shtick was being a finishing guard who can't finish. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't know. I mean, I count on Frank I, just simply off the age and the potential. Um, I just feel like you can mold him. But the other guys, I'm very, very, very pessimistic about. If I'm Fisdale, I get in the first day. You know who's the first guy I go to? I look right in Tim Hardaway Jr.'s eyes and I say, you are good. And you need to realize that if you do a few things differently, you can really transform your game into something that is impressive. And you can you have the ability to get there. And I think Tim Hardaway is like a pretty, we talked about it kind of when we did our Avengers segment, like the type of guy he is, I think he could get along with Fisdale, but I also could see it being like him getting annoyed because he pushes him too hard. You know, I don't, I don't even know that that's, that would be an issue. And the only reason I I bring that up is because when he went to Atlanta, um, he got challenged by Budenholzer almost immediately. He mentioned it when he first went, he said, I got a little complacent. I thought I was just in the NBA and I was here. And then he said, you can be better than this. And I found my game going to higher level because we saw his first year at Atlanta, he wasn't good. And then he came up and had a great year uh, the year prior to this one. And that's why he ended up getting that big contract, fair or not. Well, well the reason I say challenge too is, is you know, they sent him to, like straight to the D, uh, at the time, D League, now the G League. And he had a quick little stint there. And it's like, that's sort of the challenge of all challenges. Like, hey, you're on this team. I want you to be a big contributor. Um, go down, improve, go work on some stuff. And when I see you've improved, you can come back up. Right. And I feel like if a coach like Budenholzer at that time on a top Eastern Conference team is going to call you out and send you down and sort of embarrass you a little bit, I feel like now that he's sort of the, not the face of the franchise, but he's one of the faces of it behind KP, I feel like, I mean, you sort of have to expect that challenge to come. Yep. You know, I, I feel like you have to almost embrace it. You knew you have to earn some people's uh, faith back in New York. I feel like you can't shy away from that kind of thing. 100%. All right, let's bring on Amy, and we'll talk about this from the Grizzlies side. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. So now we're joined by Amy Stigemeyer to talk about the Grizzlies. Amy, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing great, doing great. So, tough year for both our teams. Uh, a little, uh, a little tough to watch. 
And especially for you, at least the Knicks got off to a somewhat hot start. The Grizzlies had that nice oh. couple first games, and then after that, it uh, everything just went to hell. So kind of take us through the thought process of the fan base as everything, what was it, like an 11-game losing streak or something? Um, the first one was a nine-game losing streak. I think at one point there was like a 19-game losing streak. Oh, this this season was so was bad and an epic proportion of I, I had a I, I had this this feeling that the Grizzlies weren't gonna be very good this year. And then the first five games happened and I I let myself get kinda like, Oh hey, all right, well, you know, we lost our starting power forward in like the first five minutes of the first game. Yep. But you know, we're we're still, you know, winning respectable games against respectable teams. I think we all this did, to be honest. So I think we all kind of said, hey, the Grizzlies might be better than we thought they'd be this year. <laughs> nah, I drink yeah. Kool-Aid. And then they were like, nah, <laughs> yeah. nah, never mind. Oh, God, it was it was so, so hard to watch. Um, and I think this, this past season is actually the, the first season um, we slapped a lot in, uh, in writing about and covering all the games and stuff. This is the first season I've, like, consciously chosen – not to watch a basketball game because I just could not do that to myself. Like I, this is this is the thing that makes me happy. And God, especially the 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 last half of the season, everything when it was really apparent Conley wasn't coming back and everything was just miserable. And and then everyone started in with with the tanking talk, which drove me insane because I don't really think it's tanking if they just suck, which <laughs> is is kind of part of the problem. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, I figure since we're going to talk about David Fisdale, we can talk about the first, uh, you know, first however many games he had before. Oh, yeah. He was prematurely dismissed, um, and I will, I, will, I will die on this hill. Um, I do think that he should have gotten two full seasons um, the same way that Dave Yeager did. I do not think, given the roster and given – that the health and the minutes restrictions of the number of guys on the roster that he had at the first part of the season, I really don't think that there's a coach that could have done a whole lot more with what he had than, than what he did. Like they, they got off to a really good start. Colleen was playing great and, and it was beautiful. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. And, you know, the moves that they made over the summer, uh, you know, they didn't bring back Zach Randolph. They didn't bring back Tony Allen. They didn't bring back Vince Carter. Um, I've, I've, I've written about this before. But, you know, they brought in um, Tyreek Evans, which I will I will completely, completely own to being very, very pleasantly surprised. Oh, he was fantastic when he was healthy, he was yeah. The season, he was the season MVP. Yeah. Um, and if you had told me that at the beginning of last season, I, I would have – I would have laughed, but he had a season on par with his his rookie season when he won Rookie of the Year. Um, I mean, and he came in, he did a really, really good job coming in from, you know, off the bench to when Conley got hurt, getting put in a position to play both at point guard and shooting guard, which is not really, it was, I mean, it was by necessity, mm-hmm. but he, he's he's better, he's better in that two spot right. than, than, uh, than, than he is. Uh, I mean, he's a really good player. But he wasn't necessarily who we expected the starting point guard to be, if you get what I'm saying. Exactly, yeah. It was kind of out of nowhere. Kind of like the Fisdale firing, which kind of set flames to the entire NBA Twitter and NBA spheres. Because when it happened, he was coming off of oh my a, God, a yes. fairly <laughs> successful first year. I mean, they weren't great, but I don't know if expectations were much higher. And they took the Spurs to six games, and they had a good first series. So... I guess just generally, when he was let go, what was the feeling around the fan base, and then what was your feeling specifically? Holy shit! Um, I can tell you this exactly. Um, I can. I was in the car uh, um, picking up my kid. I was in between. I picked up one kid from school. I was heading to the next one, and all of a sudden, it, the notifications on my phone started blowing up. And I'm like, all right, I'm not really sure what this is. And I opened up Twitter and like four different people messaged me at one time. What the hell is, what the hell is going on? And I look and, you know, 
Waj is all, you know, Memphis has fired David Fisdale. And then I'm like, okay, what the fuck? The way that all of that, that worked out, I don't, like I said, I, I really think that that was an irrational decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it, it made, it made the, the organization look stupid. Honestly, they, they earned that black eye as far as I'm concerned. Um, the friction between him and Gasol, and that's not to say that there wasn't any, but it was one of those things where whether or not you, even the people who, who were, you know, completely happy that, that Fisdale's gone, um, you can't deny that he made Mark Gasol a better player. Like oh, he sure. did, you, statistically. Yeah, yeah he did, um, they shot more threes, he was doing more, he's putting him in better spots. Oh, absolutely, and that and and the thing is, is he came in. Um, I attended his his introductory press conference, and like from the very first moment that he sat down and addressed local media in Memphis, and he made his intentions very clear. He's like, you know, I'm, you know, I I I want to take, you know, I want to see this this team win a championship. I think you know these guys could do it. Here's what I want to do. I want to put you know Conley in more dynamic situations. I want to get Mark shooting the three ball, and I know that I don't have all of the skills that I need. So I'm going to bring in the people whose strengths are in the areas that I lack, which is where JB Bickerstaff and Nick Van Exel comes in, yep. um, who have been absolutely tremendous as well. Um, please don't take Van Exel, please. He's if been tweeting in favor Fisdale, of him. He's been tweeting like, hey, yes. whatever people are saying, it's not true about Fisdale. Uh, I can't make any promises. Yeah, yeah I'm... <laughs> it, honestly, I, I think he's going to be good um, for you guys, for your organization. Um, I do think, you know, like I said, it was a huge overreaction to fire him when they did. And whether or not it really came down to he lost his job because he, he benched Marcus all in the fourth quarter and Mark didn't like it. I don't necessarily think that's what happened, but that's what the optics are. Mm. And I love, I love Gasol. I love Gasol as a player. Um, you know, and he is the franchise player, but David Fisdale held him accountable in ways that other coaches have not really been able to do. And I mean, he, and yeah, he didn't like it. There was, you know, that the the first season that Fisdale coached, you could see, um, you know, there was, you know, some tension there after some losses, but it seemed more like a like a personality conflict that could have been overcome rather than, you know, throwing out a, a coach who, in the long run, was set to be really good for the organization. Yep. One of the Grizzlies' biggest problems with being able to win games has absolutely nothing to do with the coach rights. Now it's the fact that they've got so many major players that just can't stay healthy. Chandler Parsons. Well, he's kind of a running Chandler joke. Par- <laughs> it's, yeah. It's um, I, that, um, uh, Chandler Parsons is, is one of those, uh, decisions by Chris Wallace that has turned out to be wildly unpopular. And while I will not necessarily defend Chris Wallace as GM going forward that particular decision I can defend that because I feel like if they didn't sign Parsons there's a really good chance that they didn't sign Conley as well mm. and you know keep in mind they announced both of those contracts like right at the same time mm-hmm. um, you know it, which it, I was all team pay that man his money as far as Mike Conley was concerned and you know, his concern was he wanted to see them put him and Mark in a position to where they could really, you know, feel like they could go to the next level and they could, you know, they could compete because they are a good basketball team. It's just, you know, I mean, Conley's a fantastic point guard when he's healthy. I don't think Fisdale even really had time to try and get a rhythm in this season because there were so many guys who were either out completely, um, like Macklemore ended up you know, having foot surgery in the off season. So he didn't even play like he played his first couple of games with the G league team before he came in. Um, you know, there's four, you know, three or four guys who are on various levels of minutes restriction. Plus it's hard to make, I guess, a cohesive roster out of that, mm-hmm. which is why I say, I don't necessarily think that there's another coach who could have done a whole lot better with what then, then Fisdale did in the first part of the season. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that, they continued to to suck. Um, That's putting it nicely. 
Yeah, that is putting it nicely. is is kind of an indicator that maybe wasn't the coach's fault. Um, Which is not to say, honestly, I I really feel like Marcus All without Zach Randolph to to make this this really cliche simile here. Zach Randolph is like the older is like the the tough older brother who you know went off to high school and now the Grizzlies are, are the middle school kid who's catching every single ass kicking that we did not get <laughs> the last several years getting them all at once um, because I mean Mark Mark is a fantastic player but he's not he doesn't want to be a leader he's made that very clear he doesn't want to be a leader and. You know, I mean, Conley was, was was doing a good job of it when he was healthy. But again, you hit that when he was healthy. Yeah. You know, my, my biggest hope for the offseason, I know everybody's clutching their pearls and waiting to see what they're going to do as far as the draft pick is, is concerned. Um, I just, you know, I want to see Mike come out healthy. Um, you know, Chandler Parsons healthy. I, I, I Every season, it's like, hey, I'd love to, to get something because uh, I, I feel like that's one of those things we're just gonna have to kind of ride out. I want to hone in on the um, the thing you mentioned about Gasol not wanting to be a leader. So, because because that's the only thing that you really hear any negatives about Fisdale is that he the Gasol incident and why he was let go, and that's what people point to. Now, in general, were people on the side of Fisdale or Gasol? Do you think? Or was was it like a choosing sides thing? Is that the kind of vibe you got? Yeah, because that, yeah, that's got to be tough. Yeah, because really Mark's been the, Mark's been the face there for how long now? And then this came in Forever. and changed some things up just to modernize him a little bit. And then he kind of lost that tug of war with them. Uh, Fisdale did. So I, I I don't know. How did the the fans fall? Um, most of the fa- most of the fan base kind of rallied around Gasol. I. This is one of those, like, mom and dad are fighting things. I don't really know what to do mm. because I do, like I said, I, I, I do think it was a bad decision. I don't necessarily think that the entirety of that decision came down to him and Marcus all just couldn't get along. But I think that was, was some of it. Um, no, you don't want to alienate your franchise player, but Marcus all is not LeBron. You're putting him in a position to let a guy who's stated and who's proven he he doesn't want to be that kind of leader to make a sort of leadership decision that he has absolutely no business making. Um, You know, I I feel like whatever issue that he and Fisdell had could have been something, something that they mediated rather than, you know, going to the extreme that they did. I don't think that they set David Fisdale up to succeed in that respect. Um, you know, he didn't get the level of autonomy, obviously, that he needed. Um, I think a coach should be able to, you know, to call, essentially call bullshit on his players if he doesn't think that they're, you know, given the right amount of effort. Which seems like a thing that Fisdale does a lot. And it's something it that is. almost like is... It just defines him because we saw it in the press conference today. We saw it with, you know, the whole uh, Zach Randolph benching when they had promoted Jermichael Green to the starting lineup. And then obviously the Gasol thing. It seems like something he does a lot. Absolutely. Um, Which, in my opinion, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, You know, he's definitely a very strong personality. You know, as a person, um, I'm a flex here a little bit. I have had a chance to talk with him a couple of times. Okay. He's really super nice you know i was at media day the last couple of years uh the you know the fir- the first year that he came in like i said i you know i i went to the introductory press conference i was really impressed with the way you know he spoke to spoke to the media spoke to the fans through the media and made his intentions really clear and he he came in and he did everything he said that he was going to do and i have a lot of respect for that he had kind of a vision for where what this team could be and not just, you know, I mean, obviously what this team could be with, with Casal and Conley, but one of the elephants of the room is neither one of them are getting any younger. So one of the things that a coach here to be successful is going to have to do is going to have to develop young players, which is something that Fisdale made an effort to do that Dave Yeager didn't do. Mm. I think it's a shame that he didn't get the, the – I really would like like to have seen – 
Like, what more he could have done with this season? There were some some highlights, you know, some, some parts you can pick out where, like, parts of games where certain guys played well. And you can take that away from it. Maybe there, towards the end of the season, I don't think that it was, like, an intentional tank so much as just they weren't good. And they didn't have the pieces to be good. And as it, you know, you know became apparent, Colin wasn't coming back that season. Um you know, Parsons is in and out. You've got Mark and a handful of of rookies and some guys who haven't been on the team very long, don't know the system very much. And, you know, you, you get the feeling he's really exasperated by the whole thing, which is something that, that um, a lot of the local media guys picked up on towards the end of the season. People would talk about how frustrated Mark was, which, you know, I mean, I get that, but hello, we're all kind of frustrated here too, man. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, what about the rest of the guys? Cause I know today at his presser, Fisdale kind of, you could see him trying to read the room a little bit. He was talking to Moutier uh, directly a couple, you know, the, the one line he said, you know, we're going to get you right. And he seemed to kind of be, trying to pick guys up. So, I mean, we know the Gasol tiff and how that ultimately uh, prematurely ended things, but what sense did you get from maybe some of the other players? Um, because he's sort of billed as being a player's coach, and obviously with Gasol it didn't work that way, but was that true for some of the other guys on that team? I, I know he didn't uh, get Conley as long as he would have hoped for, but... Um, is there any other relationships that he had that were pretty strong there? Or, um, I mean, I don't know that there's any that, that kind of jump out at me. There, but at the same time, there's not any that jump out at me that he didn't. Like, I mean, there was there was the obvious friction with with Gasol. Nobody can really dispute uh-huh. that. Um, but it, it, as far as everything else goes, you know, he he seemed to respond to the team and the team seemed to respond to him both in that first season and really in the, in the first part of this season before, you know, he got fired. It kind of felt like they had a, a different sort of respect for him than they, I guess, obviously with the absence of Gasol at this point, um, you know, I mean, this is all hindsight now, but um, it, I mean, it never really felt like he had a bad connection with any of the players and okay. he, there were, it, you know, some of the younger guys, last season by necessity and you know by practice these guys have to get you know guys like Andrew Harrison that's what I was thinking of that's what I was going to ask about later too who's a younger guard you know that he was that Fisdale coached I think this past season should put to rest any any talk of Andrew Harrison isn't an NBA player he might not be like a top point guard but he's not a bad point guard and, you know, in last season, he got put in a position, again, with Conley getting hurt. God, I hate that this is such a such a, a prevalent theme at this point. Yeah, it's a bummer. But, I mean, he kind of got, I mean, he got thrust into a role where he wasn't really, wasn't really prepared for. Like last season, they did with, you know, Troy Daniels and Troy Williams and, you know, all these guys. And they kind of threw him into the fire and it was sort of like, all right, we'll, you know, go out there and... Fisdale gave them room to, to kind of go out there and, and feel themselves and screw up a little bit. Mm. You know, and there were times where he got on, you know, keep shooting. Don't, I mean, obviously don't take stupid shots, but the shots, it's, you know, that you can make. Got, you know, when guys were in a slump, he would encourage them to kind of, you know, get back on the horse and go out there. But I mean, Andrew Harrison did a respectable job against, you know, I, you know, I mean, top tier playoff teams. Yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by him and I was pretty vocal about him coming out of college and I just didn't think he was going to be um, an NBA level talent. I didn't, I didn't kind of believe in the twins and, and he anyway, uh, well, uh, kind of, to, to a degree proved me wrong. I enjoyed seeing him play like passively. Well, I think that year that he spent um, in the D league when it was still the D league, um, but from the time he got drafted till the time he actually made it to the Grizzlies roster, I think that helped him out tremendously. Because yeah, well, he was a rookie technically, but he had a, a full year, like pretty much a full season with the Iowa Energy, yeah. before um, 
before he got on the Grizzlies roster. So he still had, you know, kind of that transition between college basketball to NBA basketball. And there's there's a lot of people who have not been very kind in their assessment of Andrew Harrison. And I feel like that he's um, over the last over this last season. I, I feel like that he he's probably proved a lot of them wrong. He's one of the guys I sort of feel like we've watched grow up a little bit. And I, I'm glad to see him developing in, into you know, a good player that will hopefully be useful. Um, you know, I have to hope that next season is not going to be the absolute flaming dumpster fire that this one was. Um, I don't think J.B. Bickerstaff's a bad coach. I, I kind of feel like this is a situation where nobody really wins. Fisdale got thrown under the bus. Um, he's going to get my, uh, my my Jeff Green unnecessary scapegoat award this season. Are you a Jeff Green fan? I am a Jeff Green. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, no. How do you know? Okay. um, Yes, I am a a Jeff Green fan, and I am very happy to see him. Um, (laughs) Man, that was so not what Donald Glover did to him the other night. That That was was tough. It was a funny skip, but wow, he did third him. Yeah, he did. He he sucked him. That was terrible. (laughs) That really really was. um, it, It was funny. But it was hard to watch. Too. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Did you? Did you laugh? Yeah. I did laugh. I did laugh. Um, and I. And honestly, I feel like Jeff Green probably laughed too. Yeah. But I, I'm like the only remaining Jeff Green fan. Yeah, it's got to be a lonely <laughs> island. There's there's not many people is. that cape for him anymore. I am the now and forever president of the Uncle Jeff fan club. Um, I I will I will cape for. What can I say? I've got I've got a thing for for underachieving guards. Um, speaking of of guys who kind of fly, guards who sort of fly under the radar, you guys have Courtney Lee, who I also like. Oh yeah, we like Courtney Lee too. We are big Courtney Lee guys. Just looking at the roster that you guys have, y'all have a, a pretty promising year coming up, and I, I think Fisdale's um, his influence on on Porzingis. I read something the other day which um, made a lot of people on the Twitter machine mad from it was from the ringer i'm pretty sure but uh, basically oh, it, was, yeah. it was about um you know fizdell's about um the work that he did with his song with bosch and what that could mean for porzingis and there were a couple of um local sports guys on twitter who kind of got in their feels about that a little bit which i i get that th- that there are some people who who feel like that firing fizdale at the point that they did was the right thing to do even if you think that was the the right thing to do which i don't you cannot look at Marcus Gasol's stats and tell me that he did not improve his game. You can't. He, he objectively he, made him a better player and probably helped him extend his career a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, okay. And I have, I'm, I'm, I've made a, a table on basketball reference about this the other day. I have pointed this out several times. Marcus Gasol had taken 66 three-point attempts in his entire career before mm-hmm. David Fisdale came to Memphis. And he walked in, and one of the very first things he said was, this is something I want to get Mark to do. You know, this is, I, I think, you know, it'll help help space the floor more. And honestly, I mean, that, that step back at the top of the key, like, that's an easy money shot for him just about every time. So, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm good with it. I, I think it's, especially with, with, you know, the way that the league's going. You're right. I do think it extended his career a little bit. It made him a lot more versatile. It made him more valuable to the team. Um, and whether or not you think Fisdale should be, is a good head coach or should be, a you know, should be a head coach anywhere, you cannot deny that he had that impact there. Sometimes there were times it's kind of like, all right, all right, Mark, maybe you should slow down a little bit on, on those threes. But again, there was so much ugly, ugly basketball that happened for the Grizzlies this season. I, I hope this is going to be atypical because I do, I do feel like it's it's sort of, sort of an outlier there. It must have been strange for you because the Grizzlies have been so consistently good for so long. You know, there was like there's yes. especially the the Fizdale thing too to, to bring this all back home. The, the fact that Gasol and him had the falling out and the Grizzlies were getting bad press wasn't something that they had had to deal with before because it had always been, you know, they have the grit and grind, they have the, the tight-knit, you know, the Rudy Gay thing when he first left, but it wasn't like anything bad happened there. It was just kind of that he departed and they felt like that's what they needed to do. So that must have been really strange. It was because um, over the summer with the loss of 
you know, Zach Randolph and Tony Allen, like that core four of guys for the Grizzlies has been, I mean, Tony Allen and Zach Randolph are as, as much responsible for that grit and grind whole mentality that's, that's, you know, assigned to the team, not just in, you know, style of play, but definitely in style of play, but, you know, in other ways as well, that, that kind of physical toughness that, I mean, they, they played a lot of games in the mud and they, I mean, they weren't necessarily, maybe they weren't scoring 120 points a night, but y'all weren't either. Um, <laughs> that's true. You know, I mean, that was, you know, they really did just kind of wear their opponents down. And this whole year, it's, this whole past season has really been a team that hasn't had much of an identity. They haven't had, uh, Mark's, Mark's not the same with Zal Zach. I really, I, I know that, that this is probably not logical or rational, but if they could figure out a way to send Ben McLemore back to Sacramento and bring Zach Randolph home, I think that would really be, that would that would be a huge boon. If you can convince team. the Kings to take him. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, oh God, I, I mean, no no offense to Ben McLemore personally. Um, he, he seemed very nice, but no, no, he's 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 not the answer. And if he is the answer, I'm not sure what the question is. Tyree is closer to being the answer. Um, and and I hope and I hope they manage to. Um, I do hope they manage to pick him up. I, I read something about they were hoping to try and get him on um, the MLE over the summer, which would be good because you know the Grizzlies are sort of boned as far as cap space goes right now. But I I think retaining Tyreek would be a, a, a smart thing to do. I know. The way that that whole crap at the, at the trade deadline played out was yeah. just ridiculous. It was very strange. Um, it was the strangest thing that I think that I had. He, he was a dead man walking until he wasn't at the trade deadline. He was for yeah. sure gone, and then someone and was going to win the sweepstakes, uh, sweepstakes, and then no one won. And the thing is, is it comes out after the fact that apparently, you know, there were a couple of offers that he, um, Chris Wallace, turned down. Actually, I think he turned turned down. Uh, one for Moody. <laughs> that would get yeah, like, he did. Tyreek, he totally did. Tyreek gets some picks. Yeah, that and was the thing. The thing. Is, I and and I argued. Um, I, I I I feel like Tyreek Evans has definitely earned me caping for him at this point. Um, and by the trade deadline, I did. There were a lot of people who were in the the Grizzlies need to lose as many games as possible, which I'm I, I've never. That's not any fun to watch. Oh, trust me. We've been there for the past four years. It's it's bad. It's really not fun to watch. It, it gets painful. It, it, it's, it is painful, especially when you're, you know, you're used to, like, consistently good or at least, like, consistently not terrible basketball. But there was some really, I mean, there, there was some stuff that just did not, we don't even, I don't even want to speak of this past season that just was just that bad. Um, and I, I hope to God they're not that bad this coming season. Um, you know, after the summer, we'll see. I hope they can keep Tyreek. You know, they got Brandon Wright's gone. Again, another guy who's not a bad guy, but not, I mean, not going to be a huge contributor. Like, they, they need to get guys on the roster who can stay healthy and who can, you know, play minutes and actually contribute to games. Yep. Tyreek Evans is one of those guys. Um, ben McLemore. I, 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 don't, I don't think he's it. Mario Chalmers. Um Bless his heart because I, I I did Kate for Chalmers too and I for the record I did call um, I called Chalmers be- before they actually did that as as a thing that they should do um, to try and look for a veteran guard because he did do so well um, the season that he was with us before he you know he injured his Achilles yeah. um, I'm I'm sad to say that he he did not meet my expectations this season. <laughs> Well, you know, you know who their number one priority should be this summer, right? Jeff Green. Oh, see, you gotta bring I, it back. You know, oh dear God! <laughs> look, I, I am probably the most irrational Jeff Green fan in existence, and even I will not say that I think the Grizzlies should bring Jeff. Wow! Green. Um, even if you're saying it, that's strong, then. Well, I, I mean, here's the thing: I like if. In that in that that series against Golden State, when Mike got his face broken in the first round, it became really apparent that Jeff Green was not the guy that was going to get us over the hump. Like he he just he wasn't that guy. He he he's he's a good guy to come off the bench and you know and do some stuff, 
the problem is not that he's not a good basketball player. It's just he's not a good basketball player on a very consistent basis. Mm. Like, sometimes he's really fantastic, and sometimes he's really, really not. Especially on defense, which in Memphis is not, I mean, you know, I mean, Memphis hung their hung their hat on their defense for so long. Um, you can't be a liability on defense and, and be any good here. You know, but I, I kind of appreciated him for what he was at that point. And I, I didn't expect him to be the guy that was going to save the team. So I guess maybe that's why. Um, but, I mean, if we're being really honest here, I would absolutely love somehow for LeBron to get Jeffrey to ring this year. I would, like, I would be... He's been on a tear recently. It, it's it's looking more likely, at least for them to get out of the East. But I would be so... I would be so insufferable on Twitter for the rest of the summer. Like, like everybody on Grizz Twitter would have to mute me at this point. Because, like, I would so, so hard. But, like, I mean, but now that they don't have Derrick Rose, and I feel good cheering for the Cavs again, like... Oh, yeah, you don't you don't have to tell to us about disliking Derrick Rose. We're totally there with you for multiple reasons. So, there's so many levels. So many too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, so we got two final questions. One... Fisdale one Grizzlies that I want to finish with. So the Fisdale question first. Number one reason you think he's a good hire for the Knicks? I think that he can he can get more out of Chris Stapp's Porzingis, which seems to be the guy that is y'all's franchise player at this point. That seems to be who y'all need to be focusing on. So if I I, I don't follow the Knicks as closely as I, I do the Grizzlies, but I did no a little bit. Um, <laughs> but but I mean you know you guys. Um, speaking of speaking of the Knicks, though, maybe everybody can say Michael Beasley was on some shit this year. That was cool. That was that, that was, was cool fun. For it was fun to follow. Whatever shit he was on, it was good. So it was the good. I'd like for him to find some more of that and then home somewhere. <laughs> like that was that that was way fun for you guys. I really um, I really enjoyed seeing Michael Beasley prosper. Um, you know, he was here for like training camp for like a hot minute, I and then he that. went yeah. off to China. But yeah, I mean, I think with both kind of trying to get more from what you have. Um, I mean, I'm not really sure. God, please don't take this the wrong way. I don't know, like, like what's considered nominal and market improvement for you guys, like making the playoffs or... No. So, so next year, it's going to be... Because Porzingis, we don't know how many games he's going to miss. I think Kyle and I are both of the mindset that he should miss most of the season and then come back at the end. So next year's a lot. If not all. Right. So it's going to be the year after that we hope to see a team that is challenging for a playoff spot. Because the past few seasons, what has basically happened is the Knicks have started out hot and then fizzled as the year went on because their whole hot starts were a mirage. Even this year after Porzingis was hurt, like the month before that they were terrible. So any improvement for us is a level of consistency that the Grizzlies have emulated. We like consistency. That's all we ask for sometimes because we haven't had that. And it's just... It's not going to be a matter of this year, it's next year. So we want to see some improvement from the young guys this year, from the Frank Nielakinas, the Trey Burks, the Damian Dotsons, the Troy Williams, who was a member of the Grizzlies and played under Fisdale. That's kind of what we're looking yes. at this season. So it's not exactly an immediate payoff for us. It's more of a long-term Wait, visit. wait, y'all have Troy Williams? Oh, yeah. He oh, played yeah. like 10 games or 15. I, yeah. I have, I completely missed that. Um, oh, yeah. He um he will dunk on your whole damn life. Oh, he did it. Uh, he did he it. So oh, he certainly fun. did. Yeah. <laughs> he is so much fun to watch. Yeah, he's a um, So yeah, I mean, I I think you guys have you know have a promising future as far as the pieces that you have, and you know, like you said, maybe this this season is kind of a wash, but the next season, and I I feel like that's a really healthy attitude to have, something that Grizzlies fans are not used to. Um, I mean, I'm not used to it either. So I, I you know, th- this has been been pretty humbling. Yeah, you've had no reason to be. I, I wrote probably the hottest of all hot takes, which I mean, if you if you go back down and you read it, and it's like, well, yeah, none of those things happened, but but I wasn't wrong, and I showed my work, um, which you know, my whole argument for them trying to 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 sort of keep the band together, so to speak, and and um, Tony Allen, I do understand. That was kind of a business decision. I think Zach Randolph um, still had some that he can contribute to the game, to the team. Um, I think Vince Carter, um, 
for as much uh, veteran leadership as anything else. Um, also, I love Vince Carter. I will cave for him forever and ever and ever. He's a fun guy to root for. You can't, you, you can't, you can't not love Vince Carter. If you don't like Vince Carter, you, you, you're doing basketball wrong. You just are. Um, you know, so like we, th- this season, I don't want to think of it as, as kind of like a wasted season, but in a sense it was. As far as the Grizz, I mean, they, they obviously they didn't get any better, um, you know, so maybe there's some improvement for Memphis to, to come along. Um, I, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I know the same with you guys. A lot of it hinges on, you know, if your key players can stay healthy long enough, yep. which, you know, is, is Porzingis. Um, you know, the, guy, the guys that aren't, you know, that are the role players, Fisdale will get them some work too. Um, and, I mean, I don't, I don't really think that's that's a bad thing. Um, you know, developing players is, is kind of a novelty to Grizzlies fans, and it kind of looks ugly sometimes because I mean, I don't know, it, like drunk puppies. Maybe you can kind of get, like I said, you know, Gasol being exasperated with, with all the young guys. I, I could could see that as sort of like a you know an older dog and, and some really enthusiastic puppies who don't really know what the hell they're doing, but damn it, they're excited to be there and they're going to, you know, <laughs> they're going to really enthusiastically do it. Dylan Brooks, um, we had the rookie with good hair. He's, he might not be the rookie. He might not be the league's rookie of the year. He is my rookie of the year. He was damn good. He was much better than I expected. Cause I enjoyed watching. He was him much better than, yeah. He was much better than I expected. I think he was much better than everybody expected. 100%, um, yeah. he, I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's a sign that they won't somehow screw whatever this draft pick is. So that's what I wanted. That was my final question for you because I don't know if you follow college at all. What a segue. Do you have – I know, it was perfect. Amy, you set me up perfectly. Look at you go. Do you guys have or you specifically have someone you want at the top of the draft? Like is it Doncic? Is that the guy? I don't know if you follow it at all. I'm going to be really 100% brutally honest with you right now. I just finished like my my last semester of school, and I have absolutely no idea who I think the Grizzlies should take at this point. Like mm. that guy Bagley. There's I mean, there's been a couple of names that I've heard. I, I, I haven't paid attention so much that I can form kind of a. a I have a really low threshold of expectations for what the Grizzlies do with draft picks, mm, particularly yeah. what the Grizzlies do with first round draft picks. Okay, I am forever scarred. There's some fun guys at the top. It's I think it's that's going to be the payoff. Is yeah, but who's who's this year's Hashim the beat? Who is this year's Hashim the beat? Because I mean, that's going to be who the Grizzlies I, draft. I like. Oh eight. my God! No, they're going to draft Grayson Allen. Holy <laughs> shit! I just spoke <laughs> you spoke it into existence. I like Aiton a lot, but he struggles defensively, especially moving laterally, and he would never be as bad as the beat, but I could see a universe where the Grizzlies take him and they pair him with a Gasol, and he just can't hold his own defensively and struggles to get it on offense, but I don't think he could even go anywhere near that bad. It's just not possible. I'm excited to see what Grizzlies take because I think they have so many different options, and I think the Gasol-Conley factor makes it really cool to think about because you're almost going to be pairing those guys with two established veterans right away. So if you have like a Doncic on the wing or even a Bagley, like I feel like those guys would just have it easy right off the bat in a sense to have some veterans around it. I'm really excited to watch the guy who goes to the Grizz rather than like the guy who goes to the Suns. It's just going to be much different. I, I mean, really though, I don't know. I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't throw shade at the Suns. I really shouldn't. Oh, we can throw shade at the Suns all you want. I, I don't want that karma to come back on me, but like, okay, <laughs> the Suns have like consistently sucked for the last several years. Okay. They sure and have. Just, like, they just, and, and, and I, and I'm going to go here too. All right. Um, Devin Booker, De- not, not not ter- I mean, not terrible. I mean, he's not he's not a bad basketball player, but he's not. I think he's highly overrated. Oh boy. Um, I, I do. Um, Suns fans are coming for you. Eh, well, whatever they can they can come for me. I don't care. <laughs> um, you know what? Like we got spanked by the Suns this year. <laughs> um, as a matter of fact. Um, Tyson Chandler paid us back for what Jeff Green did to John Lohr. Like, I don't know. I guess it was maybe either 2015 or 2016. Grizzlies at home against the Suns. They, they like, they managed to inbound with like less, 
like point something seconds on the clock and he just like d- throws down the stunk and like pretty much just ended John Moore. Uh, the look <laughs> on his face was, oh God, it was, yeah. Well, Tyson Chandler did that to us, um, did that to the Grizzlies <laughs> this season. <laughs> uh, the second time they played, the first time they played, um, we got knocked out with uh, a Troy Daniels d- dagger, which honestly, but like, it, we had that coming. We we, we did. Um, Troy Daniels was, was a good shooter, and um, the Grizzlies always need good shooters. You know, it, it was one of those, like I said, this whole season we caught a lot of really, like, some ass kickings that, you know, maybe we've been overdue for several seasons, and they just kind of all caught up with us. It's coming back time. around, yeah. I don't want to be worse than the Suns again, so they better not screw this draft pick up. Like, whatever <laughs> they do going forward, just, like, don't. I'm okay. I, I, I'm at peace now with how this this season has worked out. Obviously, it's over. We can't really we can't really change it. But let's let's not do this again. This wasn't very fun. Um, you know, I mean, I, I haven't had to care at all about the playoffs at all because the Grizzlies aren't in the playoffs for the first time in in eight seasons. But you know, I'd I, I'd I'd much rather be there than not. You know, although. Maybe not a first round series against the Spurs because that was. Um, the Spurs this minus Kawhi against, though, you never know. This you know, deal two games against Spurs. Yeah. This, hey, you know what? He's not gonna rook y'all. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you take that, take for, that data. for data. <laughs> All well, right, thank Amy. You so much for having me. Of course. Um, Thanks so much I'm for sorry sharing. I don't have a better answer about who the Grizzlies should draft. Um, <laughs> I know they shouldn't take Grayson Allen or whoever this draft's equivalent of Hashim Thabit is. Other than that, I don't know. You're on record. Whatever. All right. Hey, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Glad to know that you are in favor of the hire. I'm sure it'll make all of our listeners feel much better about it. And uh, yeah, just thanks again. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I look forward to seeing what uh, what Fizdale does. Um, do just too. please don't take please don't take Ben Exel. Thank you. Again, I can't make any promises, but we'll try. <laughs> we'll All try right. to spare <laughs> bye good night guys take care